If you love this podcast, we know you love great stories about purpose-driven leaders. Meet some of these leaders, hear even more inspiring stories, and learn best practices at the 2021 Small Giants Community Summit. We're bringing together hundreds of like-hearted leaders for a virtual conference that won't leave you with Zoom fatigue. We'll have interactive sessions, fun ways to casually meet up with your fellow attendees virtually, and even live entertainment. Visit smallgiants.org to register, and we'll see you there. Welcome to the Growing with Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. My guest today is Jim Hume. Jim is the owner and principal of Fire Group, a company that provides research and brand strategy. He's dedicated to building a brand presence for his partners that fosters a strong internal culture with a matching customer experience. Fire Group was recognized as a 2020 Forbes small giant. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. I can't wait to dig into your story. I know you presented at the Small Giants Summit. Uh, now, I guess back in 2019, and we heard your your tremendous story. But just to set some context, I want people to understand uh, really what the Fire Group does. When we get into these marketing and branding firms, uh, it's hard to understand sometimes exactly what it is you focus on and specialize in. So tell us a little bit about the company. Yeah, certainly. Um, so Fire Group, we are a brand research definition and activation company. So what that means basically is we help organizations unearth and express their authentic selves. And then we, we use the power of marketing to help motivate, inspire, and build impactful brands from the inside out. Um, so really building, uh, you know, we're not trying to sell products, we're trying to sell purpose. And uh, we're not uh, trying to sell communication tactics, we're trying to be more community driven in terms of our tactics. So uh, we build the framework for the brand, we build the discipline for the brand, uh, and then we use the tools of marketing uh, to push that out through content, through video, through web development, all those uh, those different elements. And uh, so we are sort of uh, purpose practical, um, but uh, sort of at the intersection of those two worlds. And uh, we're a small place, uh, you know, small giant, uh, 25 people headquartered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, so we uh, service clients all throughout the country of every size. And uh, you know, generally those are gonna be national brands or international brands. Sometimes we work with uh, you know, small nonprofit organizations or you know, small companies that are, are trying to make a difference and, and kind of parallel our way of thinking too. I like your focus on purpose and uncovering the purpose of these companies. And you talk about wanting to go deep to find the why of your clients, why they exist. What's your process for getting to that genuine purpose, uh, particularly a, a, a client that might be new? How would you discover that? So it's, a, it's an intensive process. And uh, it's, it's one that uh, we insist on, on going on a journey with them uh, because I think the, the old way of, of marketing um, is very kind of tactical based. Um, very product-driven, um, you know, almost manipulative in its its approach, um, and and we try to take a completely different uh, approach uh, to our clients. So we start with a brand audit, really kind of taking a look at who they are, how they've presented themselves in the past, uh, but then we really dive deep when it comes to um, community, and uh, so we do tons of internal interviews. Um, and so that, that ranges from, you know, the, the dozens to the hundreds uh, of just really interviewing, getting people's stories um, and, and getting to the heart of not what they want to sell, but who they are um, and the stories that, uh, that really describe what the company is all about. So we do a lot of conversations and, and, and focus groups and, and really make sure that uh, we're engaging, not just at the sea level, but we want to make sure we're at the, the ground level and making sure that we understand um, what drives them, what motivates them, what, what makes them different. Um, and then we mirror that with uh, their customers as well. So we reach out to them and say, what is their experience? What, what do they um, enjoy or, or what drives them or, or, or what's the gravitational pull towards this company? And then we see what, what either matches or doesn't match um, and, and really kind of bring that 
story together to find what is the authentic why and purpose of this organization. And sometimes that's going backwards in time and saying, why did this company first exist? Um, what problem were they trying to solve? And then where did they get lost along the way? Um, and sometimes it's just organizations don't give themselves enough credit for the, the great work that they're doing, or they're just thinking about it in, in a different way. Um, so when our work is done best, we can articulate that and then reflect it back to them in a way that really inspires them and motivates them um, in a way that maybe they're not thinking about their own business that way. And, and certainly their customers maybe aren't thinking about it that way. So we try to make that common language um, that really starts to motivate folks on the inside and on the outside too, and try to match that, that language. And, and we try to create that spirit, um, you know, and, 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 and create that through stories that we start to tell and, uh, and build a community around all of that. I've been saying for a long time that companies should sell not what they do, but who they are, which is yes. pretty much exactly what you said. Now that you've gone through this process, nowadays in the way that companies are marketing, particularly small companies are trying to express their brand, what are the ways then to take that defined purpose or why and put it out in the marketplace in ways that companies can truly differentiate themselves from their competitors? Yeah, so I think um, maybe uh, the best way to, to illustrate that is, is to go a little bit back in, in my own uh, company's history where we did used to act, I think, a lot more like your traditional agency, which is let's uh, let's push out creativity and let's uh, let's use the tools of, of marketing to, um, you know, for lack of a better term, manipulate the marketplace to get more clicks, to get more attention and those types of things. And really, we're just using the psychology um, the, the, the human side of things to manipulate folks into doing certain actions. We really changed and, and transformed our, ourselves and, uh, and our, our clients into thinking about it differently. We can use that power for good. That power uh, really is to inspire, to motivate. But I think really to, to get to the, the nature of your question, it's, it's really kind of thinking about things in terms of what are people attracted to? They're attracted to stories. They're attracted to purpose. Uh, you know, they want to be inspired. They don't want to be tricked. Um, so we create a more foundational experience um, with companies that is more sustainable, it's longer lasting, it's authentic, it's more transparent. And as companies and, and organizations kind of think about the future of, uh, of where things are going, where, you know, the consumer is going to be more in charge of decisions and, and, and choices, you know, really you want to be telling your, your authentic story. You want the experience to match what you see, what you hear. You want to be able to go online and, and, and see ratings and, and stories and things like that that are third party. And you want that to match uh, what you see and what you experience from that organization. And you want the people who represent that those organizations to be the personification of, of that brand too. So it, it all has to come together. It all has to match. Otherwise, um, it's unsustainable and, and it's going to break. So we want to make sure that uh, we always set our clients up to, to kind of think about uh, things from a, a, a core level, uh, but then all expressions of brand match. Yeah, that's a great transition that you went through in your own firm. And, uh, and you're right, it really comes down to trust is building relationships with the customer that uh, through these stories uh, and purpose that allow them to trust you and ultimately want to do business with you or have a relationship of of some type. Uh, when did you start the the company? I started in 1998. Um, I was I was 26 years old. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you've been you've been at this a while, um, and you've obviously uh, grown. Uh, and are still growing yourself as a leader, but I'd love to take you back uh, kind of the early days and see maybe some of the influences on you're developing your own leadership. So talk about your folks, uh, early school or jobs, you know, what might've had an impact on how you personally grew? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I, I grew up in Ann Arbor, um, so I'm still here. Uh, it's a college town. Um, so, you know, really not a lot of entrepreneurial influences um, in my life. Um, including my my own parents, my my uh, my, my parents had fairly um, you know steady jobs. Um, they worked for other people. My dad was an accountant, um, and uh, you know just really working for others. Um, and you know I always kind of thought that was the way it was. And then you see my neighbors and everybody else kind of worked for the university or for one of the car companies in Detroit. So you know not a lot of entrepreneurial 
influence in my life. My parents, though, we, we, we did have some financial difficulties in, in my, my household. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of took that as, uh, I guess, permission to start thinking about my, my own path. You know, so when I was a kid, I, I started kind of do entrepreneurial things, you know, mow lawns, deliver newspapers and, and those types of things. I was also a swimmer um, and uh, I started you know, lifeguarding, teaching swim lessons. Um, so really, I, I sort of fostered an entrepreneurial spirit uh, a little bit on my own both out of need, but also because I, I just kind of enjoyed it. I enjoyed kind of controlling my own life, my own, my own destiny as much as possible. You know, I think I, I was a, a national level swimmer too. So I, I had a lot of influence from coaches, from teammates and, uh, and from their families too. So just, uh, but that was more based on hard work and discipline and those types of, of lessons. But so I had sort of this, this combination path of, you know, this, uh, this, this structure, of you know working out you know five hours a day and that that type of thing, but then also the open-endedness of, of sort of um, the entrepreneurial spirit that that I had in myself, kind of uh, seedlings of that, that that I could feel kind of coming out. But I never intended to, you know, it was never my goal to uh, to to run a business or run a company. And how did you ultimately get into the business? My wife and I were actually she was my fiance at the time. You know, we were kind of talking about what we wanted to do and, and our our future and. I was working for a small um, ad agency, but I had offers on both the East Coast and the West Coast, and we were just a few months out from uh, from getting married. So really, this this moment in time where it was like it was very exciting because we had uh, all these uh, these possibilities in front of us. But she wanted to uh, to stay near her family. Um, you know, we had deep roots here, so it was kind of one of those situations where uh, you know it was worth a try at the time. Um, you know, I'd broken off uh, from the other agency and, and with three other folks. Um, so it was four of us that actually started the initial agency. You know, so that was the four of us. Uh, we started in uh, the basement of a, uh, a retail shop. Not as glamorous as it sounds even um, because cockroaches and, and all sorts of uh, issues. Our, our first clients, uh, we always met at their place or at a coffee shop. Um, so it was a bootstraps type uh, situation. I didn't have a lot of money, but I didn't have any, anything to lose either. So it felt like a, a, the right possible situation. And I always felt like I all, had other alternatives to or other choices um, at the time. So it felt very low risk. I didn't realize how high risk it was at the time. Mm -hmm. and that was probably a good thing. Yeah, I, I was getting uh, thoughts about how my original business started too. And I, you know, I was 27 when we started it. My two brothers and I, you know, nobody was married or engaged and nobody owned anything. And it was, it was like, okay, why don't we just uh, give this a shot? We, we felt like it was low risk at the time. And, and maybe it is when, right when you start, but then when you really get into it, you realize what, what a risk you're taking and the, and the risks get bigger um, as you go along. And I, I remember um, hearing in your story how those first few years, I mean, you built into kind of a... Uh, cool little firm, like you guys were running and gunning, and things were were going well. Is that correct? It was it was exactly the way we wanted it to be. Um, you know, we wanted to create this uh, this creative hot shop, and you know, we really um, kind of measured ourselves on the success of uh, you know the creative product, the awards that we were given by our peers. Um, you know, really kind of driven in, in many ways that, that, that creative boutiques are, are built. We were really no different, but we were having a lot of success. We were getting a lot of traction. You know, we were that firm that uh, I always thought that we wanted to be. But, you know, one of the things that uh, I realized during the time, and, and, you know, of course, we go through those, those, the problems of the maturity of a company too, in which case, you know, you realize you're on different philosophical pages with your partners. So bought them out uh, one at a time pretty quickly just got to that point where it was, uh, it felt a little bit empty. It felt like, you know, we were winning awards. There were a lot of plaques on the walls. Um, you know, there were, you know, kind of employees coming and going and, and, and it just, just felt like we were a fast moving train in the best of ways at the time, but not realizing the lack of direction, you know, we were just all momentum and no direction. So that, that really was something that, uh, I realized pretty quickly, you know, given, given our trajectory. So uh, I wanted you to just dig into that a little bit because so many people sure. would resonate with the idea of starting a business with partners or investors, in your case, you know, four partners getting into the business, having early success, 
and then somehow losing your way a little bit. And then, you know, it's not as easy as just pulling them all in the room one day and saying, hey, I think we're on different pages. I'd like to buy you guys out. I mean, what led to this? How were you able to get through that that time in a way that now gave you the reins to try to move the company forward in your own way? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's uh, it has a lot to do with uh, my my personality, which can be difficult. Um, I think I sort of uh, talked about that a little bit, just in terms of you know, I, I highly competitive. I'm a pretty driven person, um, and I think I'm a very difficult uh, partner to have. So I blame myself uh, for a lot of that, um, just in the sense that you know they, I think, um, and, and not every every situation was a little bit different with each of those partners, but for the most part, they wanted. I think a uh, um, a lifestyle business, um, whereas I wanted to grow the business and then create something. Um, so when you already start with those, you know, degrees of difference, the more you kind of go along, you realize that uh, you're you're on one course and they're on a completely different course. And, and these things kind of tend to solve themselves, but they solve themselves in, in really, I think, somewhat traumatic ways uh, because this this is you know you're starting with with friends and then suddenly those relationships change um and you're still trying to run a business so it, it can be a you know a very difficult process so you know i think i would uh, but at the same time i never could have been where i am now without them so i think i i see the, the positive aspects of it but i can also see you know that when i talk to young entrepreneurs i go through those kind of warning uh, stories of you know just what you're getting into and then what the risks are and I think it takes an amount of courage to work your way through them or work your way out of them like you did. I mean, you you were humble enough to realize you may not have been the easiest person to work with, that uh, that you were, you were part of the issue as well. Uh, having partners at all is always challenging. You go in with your eyes open. You all have good intentions. It's, it's a really difficult thing to do. I had a similar situation in my original business with my two brothers. And um, it took my older brother leaving um, one day by just writing us an email after 15 years together that finally we were able to uh, have freedom. And I then rose my hand and then said, okay, I'll take it and see what I can do with it from here. But it was until that time, it was like three chiefs in the kitchen and we knew we were all being held back as a result of it. So uh, it's good that you figured that out relatively early on and then were able to chart your own course. So then, so then now it's yours and you're kind of running it. What's, uh, what's going on? How do you move the, the business forward in a different way? Well, you know, I think um, we, we largely um, stayed on that, that same course and, and sort of replicated, you know, what we had done before. We were kind of doing it in, in new ways and I think deeper ways with our clients and, and trying to create more of a relationship uh, driven model. Um, than a, a, a somewhat, uh, you know, create a boutique, one project at a time shop, which uh, we, we kind of tended to be. Um, so we were deepening those relationships, but still kind of using the old model of, of marketing. Um, so therefore, we were, we were working a lot like others were. Um, but I figured um, at the time I could, I could just use, you know, what, uh, what, I, what I thought made me special, which was just sort of a, a driven, hard work uh, mentality that uh, we could outdo others um, just through hard work alone. Um, so that was sort of the mentality and philosophy that, uh, that we had. And, and therefore, you know, the team that, uh, that I had built, um, I sort of insisted the same with them too. Um, so the culture was, I think, one of, uh, I've heard, uh, you know, the, the term intense positivity. So we were, we were positive and purposeful, but uh, super intense. And, uh, and just we had a lot of, uh, I think, turnover as a result of that too. Um, so, you know, once again, I, I realized sort of I was a, kind of a difficult person maybe to get along with. Um, and so through that journey, you know, it, it sort of hit a, uh, a, a, a little bit of a, uh, a moment that, uh, that really kind of changed me, changed my life and, and changed the company too. So this was about, uh, about 10 years ago at this point. I had three kids at the time, um, you know, all under 10 years old, um, you know, and, and was uh, going out for a walk in the woods with, uh, with my family. It was uh, Mother's Day. Suddenly um, just realized that, uh, boy, my, something's wrong. Um, you know, I was walking through the woods and uh, my legs just really, you know, to, to put it bluntly, just stopped working. Um, I was planted there and could not take another step forward. 
So, you know, just realizing this, uh, and, and at the time I was working tons of hours, um, still having that level of intensity and feeling bulletproof, um, but, but suddenly here I was in the woods, just kind of stuck there. So clearly something was wrong. Um, and uh, in the ensuing uh, weeks, uh, you know, lots of tests and, and those types of things. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was diagnosed with, uh, with MS. And at the time, the neurologist had a pretty poor bedside manner. And certainly didn't know me very well because, uh, you know, she said when my wife asked, what do we do now? And, and she said, uh, and I'll never forget the, the quote. She said, don't make any long-term plans. And if you know me at all, you know that, uh, boy, that, that's, that just doesn't compute. Um, you know, I, I, I make plans, I move in a direction and I try to fulfill. Um, so suddenly here I was, um, you know, this person who had always been kind of results driven plans driven and everything else. And I was kind of faced with this uh, mortality um, that I hadn't faced. I always kind of thought my time horizon was infinite um, as most people do. But uh, you know, when you kind of face a, a moment like that, you realize, well, my window uh, could be short here. Um, and uh, then you, you kind of open up the, the door to all of those uh, thoughts of what am I doing? Uh, what am I responsible for? And what am I adding to the, the world uh, as opposed to taking away from the world? Um, you assess everything um, and you assess everything at a time when you're still trying to, you know, run a business day to day. You, you still have that, uh, that, that focus, that purpose, and you still have to show up tomorrow and you still have to motivate a team tomorrow. So I think about that, that moment in time as both, uh, you know, a, a real challenge in my life, but then also a great blessing because I was able to take a, uh, a mental timeout and reassess everything. And it's, it's been a wonderful journey ever since. Let's take a quick break. As a leader, I value responsiveness. In fact, it's one of the values of the small giants community. When it comes to email, crowded and disorganized inboxes can get in the way of being responsive to the people who matter most. I was so happy to learn that the team at Basecamp, a 2017 Forbes Small Giants Award winner, has transformed email with their new product called Hey. Hey gives you back control of your inbox with features you never knew you needed, but you won't want to live without. The first time you receive an email from someone, you get to decide exactly what to do with it. You can add it to your inbox full of all the important stuff, your feed for casual reads, or your paper trail for receipts and other transactions. Or you can decide not to receive emails from that person. There's a handy reply later feature so you never miss getting back to someone, even if you can't tackle it right that second. Hey also makes it easy to edit email thread subject lines into something helpful so you don't have to sift through long message threads that have evolved light years away from the original subject. Hey blocks spyware, makes attachments easy to find, and lets you send large files. Visit hey.com now to start a 14-day trial. That's H-E-Y.com for a 14-day free trial. And now back to the podcast. Wow. Uh, incredible how you discovered this and found out. And yet knowing you, uh, I would expect you to have plowed through the way, just the way you did from a day-to-day -day basis in managing your disease. What, what is that? What kind of impact does that have on you? Um, uh, or what kind of limitations do you have, if any, day-to-day -day with today's either treatments, medications, et cetera? How does it impact you? Well, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm blessed that there are treatments um, and, and, you know, I, I fully take advantage of, of those. But, you know, it's, what's interesting about um, MS and, and pretty much any autoimmune disease is that it's, it's triggered by things like stress. It's triggered by things like overwork. It's triggered by all of those things that I prided myself on, you know, as, as part of my personality. So, um, you know, I think part of it was mentally reassessing um, purpose and, and what you're bringing to the world. But another part is just the practical nature of, I just had to um, really prioritize and regulate. And, and therefore, um, you know, I was almost, my, my body was telling me to delegate more. It was telling me to, um, you know, it, it, let, let's let's not do this extra thing, or uh, let's not take on this this project that really has no, um, it's not going to add to our, our company. So it really does kind of take that priority and, and forces it upon you. 
um, to think in different ways. Um, you know, I'm, I'm blessed in terms of, you know, just it really affects me um, physically. Um, I can tell by my walk and, and um, you know, I, I think uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly something that changes uh, the things that I can do physically. Um, but uh, mentally, um, it, it does not. So, um, you know, really, I'm blessed in, in that regard. But I do have, you know, energy limits and, and, and things like that that I need to pay attention to. And, and certainly if anything in my life gets off of, of kilter a little bit, I feel it in, in different ways. So it forces this uh, mentality of, of discipline in my life, which I had in, in certain amounts. But, you know, I would push myself. And, and so certainly now I, I wake up every day thinking about the big things I need to do, as opposed to all the little things that need to happen. So how has that impacted your own leadership? You obviously uh, were born with and used this drive, push success and push growth. Now you you reflected, obviously, based on uh, what you went through uh, and are going through physically. Uh, how has that really changed you as a leader and how has that been reflected in your employees uh, who have gone through, I'm sure, at least part of this journey with you? Well, it's changed everything. Um, and uh, I, I, I mean that in, in no small way. Um, so whereas before, you know, and, and, and frankly, I'm a little bit embarrassed about the, the, the type of leader I was before. You know, really, it, I, I, I ran the place like a, a dictatorship. I made all decisions. I, I you know, kind of laid it, uh, laid the path, and, and just kind of thought that's what a leader did, right? And uh, I didn't, like I said before, you know, going back to the, the beginning of this conversation, didn't have a lot of role models from a entrepreneur uh, point of view. So I just kind of thought that's what you did. You just, um, you were the hardest worker. Uh, you put in the most time, and then just kind of through effort and, and through, you know, just if, if people could. Follow your leadership by example. Um, you could kind of show them the way. But this really kind of changed everything uh, just in terms of I needed to assess the place. I needed to kind of think about um, the, the longer term because um, I wanted to start thinking about the company uh, both with me and uh, beyond me um, because I didn't know how much time was ahead of me. Uh, given the stats, given my neurologist and given all of that, I really needed to kind of think about, uh, okay, I want the company to remain either with or without me which is really how an entrepreneur should think all the time. Um, but uh, I was kind of, that was forced upon me because um, I didn't know what the time horizon was. And it's been, like I said, um, it's, it's been um, a decade and I, I don't see any, any end to it at this point, but I still think this way now. Um, so I immediately started to kind of bring in, I brought in a third party because I realized I couldn't do this on my own. I didn't have the, um, the ability to convince my team that uh, I was serious about this without some help. Um, so we started to kind of create a, a cultural framework um, for our organization, um, really helping them, and I mean my team, define what we wanted to be, what our purpose was, what our values were, um, and, and what we stood for, and what kind of company we wanted to be. So we started there, you know, and, and we, we did kind of a, a full retreat, um, really thinking about how we could reinvent um, the company, not just in terms of what we did, but how we did it and how we treated each other um, and, and who did what. Um, so whereas before I would make um, a lot of the decisions, um, what we created was a structure of committees. Um, and those committees were really then in charge of um, the, uh, the, the company. And like I said, we're small, but if you're not paying attention to those things, um, it's, it's really um, easy to just do what you did before. Um, so we added all sorts of um, structural pieces to reinforce our values um, and making sure that we uh, we stayed on point throughout. So right now we have all these different uh, committees. So we have a culture committee whose sole purpose is to pay attention to culture, make sure we're living up to our best selves. Staffing, who uh, make sure that we bring in both quality people who are competent and also fit or add to our culture uh, in the best of ways. Um, a fun committee whose entire job is to make sure that we, we, we have joy um, uh, in our day-to-day. -day. And a process committee who makes sure that uh, we're being true to ourselves and being collaborative and, and, and bringing in more voices and, and, and having expertise. Their full directive is to just keep an eye out five to 10 years 
Where's the industry gone? Where is everything gone? Um, and then report back. Um, so all of those are our committees. But then beyond that, now we have reinforcing um, activities um, that we do. So, uh, for example, we have uh, Story Friday, where we go around the room and everybody has to tell a story uh, that reflects back to our values um, every, you know, every week. And, and, you know, usually those are we laugh and sometimes we, we, we cry. Sometimes we, we just really um, cheer each other on. Um, some of my, are my favorite meetings. Um, and in fact, some people take uh, who have that Friday off uh, will still show up to that meeting um, just, to, mm. just to hear the stories. Um, we have Gratitude Tuesday, which uh, is exactly what it sounds like. Every, every Tuesday, having a, a meeting where we're just thankful for something. It could be work-related, it could be life-related, um, but uh, we really um, just get to that, that, that process of um, making sure that that just becomes habitual, um, of always thinking about gratitude. Um, it's something that, uh, that I've really um, added to my life, and, and I want to help uh, others kind of uh, see through the lens of, of gratitude. We have a, a kudos board, which is a digital board where you know, stories are added all the time. So, um, you know, if you want to celebrate somebody else or celebrate a, a client, uh, what they said about work that we've done, um, you know, let's make sure that we, we, uh, we get it um, and then we post it. And then now we've got this digital board where we've got years of stories that we've collected. Um, so we can read through it. Um, we can, if, if somebody uh, is, is being onboarded, they can read through it, see what we are. Um, not just what we say, but who we are um, as an organization. I do coffee chats, um, you know, something I never would have done before, um, where the only rules in the coffee chats, now obviously more Zoom chats, but, uh, you know, it used to just take people to the coffee shop. And the only rules were we're going to talk about life. We're not going to talk about, um, we're not going to talk about work. So, you know, really making sure that uh, we, we stay within those lines. I want to know about their lives and I want to tell them about my life. We want to kind of see each other as, as people. <laughs> so, um, and then we do things like Fire University, which is um, we, we teach each other and, and uh, lift each other up and, and, and really kind of find a way to have a curriculum where we teach each other the business so that we can improve and scrutinize and, and cross-train. And, you know, just all of these different elements that we've brought into our culture that, uh, you know, I think uh, me at 30 would have, rolled my eyes and, and sort of laughed. And, uh, you know, I think me as I, as I round, uh, you know, 50 this year, um, just realizing that this is what a, what a business is. These acts, these habits, you know, these are the things that, uh, that, that matter and make a business great. Um, so these are the things that, uh, that we've added and, and you know, I've, I've stolen um, from folks too. I know that, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're connected well with, uh, with Zingerman's. Um, so I went to their monthly roundup, you know, that they have a lunch and they allow the public. And I went to one of them and I just, I just stole from them. Um, so we have a monthly roundup now where we are completely transparent about what the business is doing, where other people present and we celebrate. Uh, again, these are, uh, these are habits that uh, we, we've been able to kind of pull in. I can't think of a greater example of, a 180 degree difference in the way a company has been run uh, from what you did and the way you felt about life and business before you were diagnosed with MS and since. And so lots of lessons learned and a much different way to run the business. You went from a command and control style leadership, which is really all you knew of and how you felt you could gain success. Uh, to now a very culture and purpose-driven leader and therefore company. Why is it better? Why is mm. it better to run the company this way when you experienced a certain amount of success running it a different way? Oh, that's a great question. It's better in, in, in both the, uh, the objective ways and, and subjective ways. And you know, I think first, you know, from, from all of those kind of um, soft metrics, it's just it's just a happier experience uh, to wake up in the morning and then be a part of this group. And, um, you know, I really think about it that way, too, which is I'm lucky to be a part of of this team um, and just what they're doing. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, it, it's a blessing. Um, whereas before, um, you know, my, my thought process was hang on, um, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward and, and hopefully you're, you're hanging on and, and 
being a part of it. Um, it's just a completely different mindset of, of waking up in the morning and, and just the way that you experience your own business. But beyond that, um, I think what the clients are experiencing um, as part of that is just a, a group that is so connected and harmonized and, and sort of moving towards uh, a purpose and, and, and really uh, coming to work every day for the right reasons and the right mindset and the right mentality. And we are a, a growth driven company and growth used to mean the metrics, the, the, the hard metrics of money and clients and awards and, and things like that. But now it's the, the soft metrics of, um, you know, what effect are we having? What impact are we having? Um, you know, what, um, are we moving companies forward? Are we improving? Are we growing um, both individually and as a team? And uh, can we look back a year from now and reflect back and say, you know, are we, um, are we, are we better? Um, are we better individually? Are we better as a group? Um, are our clients better? Um, you know, really kind of taking that, uh, the, the, the look at, uh, um, you know, we, we still, of course, <laughs> record and, uh, we still take a look at uh, at numbers and everything else, but um, those become less important because those are a result. Um, they're not the goal. Um, so we we have completely, I think, uh, changed our our approach, and it's it's just it's just better. Um, it's just better relationships. Um, it's better results. It's it's better everything. Well, I think that that my experience has been that the the numbers are still important they just become a lagging indicator of what the purpose driven leadership style brings so it's not that you're no longer interested in that it's just that the best way to actually get that and to get those numbers to go up is to run the company this way and do it with a group of people that are committed to the culture um, committed to each other committed to their clients and i know that you guys have a policy which i don't know that you would have had uh 10 years ago which was even when it comes to clients, that that you won't take on a new client if it represents more than 15% of your annual revenue. And most would say, are you crazy? If you get that whale coming across, why wouldn't you take it? What's behind that policy? It's uh, it's what I call the one phone call policy. Uh, you never want to be in a situation where you're one phone call away from um, just devastating your company, devastating your culture. Um, so for us, um, you know, 15% is sort of that threshold where it's you know, we, we, we can take an impact of, of 15%. We can make that up. We can, we can get that through new business and, you know, it feels comfortable, but, uh, you know, once you start going above that threshold, it starts to get very uncomfortable and then you start making decisions maybe that, um, are compromising or at least, uh, you are, um, kind of, uh, lying away, awake at night, kind of thinking about that, that potential possibility and what that looks like. And that does affect, uh, the way you approach things and approach the day and approach people. So, you know, I think for us, it's uh, it's just that diversification of of clients um, that 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 helps internally, but then also externally, it helps them too because you're diversified and, and you're uh, you're bringing in ideas and thoughts from other industries, other businesses. You're you're able to kind of connect the community of your clients in a way that uh, that. that Rise that, that makes them each raise up in, in, in different and special ways too. Otherwise, you become too focused on that one. And uh, and for us, that, that seems both dangerous, but then also counter to what we're trying to build. It takes a lot of discipline and courage to even have a policy like that. I think it's very smart. I suffered from that problem years ago in my company where we had a couple of clients that represented a large percentage of our revenue and we lost them both in the same year. And it probably took us two years to recover from that. And, and I made a similar decision at that point. And that's uh, for those listening called concentration. Uh, you don't want to have concentration in your client base where any one client is going to really put the, the, the business at risk or your employees at risk. And as much as we all want to grow, uh, it's, you want to spread it out. And, and that's a good, good decision and discipline that you have. Um, Great, great story, Jim, about what you've been able to accomplish. Uh, I think your journey continues. Is there an, an area of leadership that you still think you need to improve upon? Yeah. I still um, sometimes um, go into command and control mode. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the, the, the pandemic uh, exposed that a little bit just because it felt like the right thing to do. So I still have to train myself to, uh, to let go. Um, and I still like to problem solve. I still like to work directly with clients. 
Um, so, you know, I think sometimes I just have to continually train myself to have the discipline of pushing away from the table. And, and there are others in my company that can do the job better. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's that portion of just making sure I am constantly working on the business and not, not in the business. It's that's, but that's just discipline. And I just, um, sometimes old habits die hard. Well, I think the other thing that we've seen a lot in the pandemic is companies who have opened up the dis, not just decision-making, but problem-solving to their employees find uh, leaders and people with ideas that maybe hadn't even been recognized in the past and really have stepped up. So I see some new opportunities to have uh, great leadership development within companies based on how people have reacted to this unprecedented situation over this last year. Uh, and I imagine you've seen the same in your company. Oh, it's been, you know, what what has been so gratifying is the fact that uh, we were able to shift and, and pivot in, in certain ways and, and we were able to do so with, without disruption because of the culture that we've built um, and the connections that we built with each other. So, you know, for us, um, you know, we've become a better company over the last year uh, as opposed to um, trying to hang on. So we've, we've seen growth in individuals. We've seen growth in the business. We've, we've just, uh, we've thrived. And it's all because of the culture that we've built. Um, and it's all because of, of my team and just uh, the way that they've been able to build something that uh, I just, I, I sit back and, and watch um, in Marvel. Well, the, the eight or nine years since your diagnosis and the transformation of your company prepared you it for this time to get through it the way that you have. And, and I have no doubt you guys will continue to thrive moving forward as an even better company. You talk about how you give advice sometimes to younger entrepreneurs. What advice would you give to somebody just starting out based on what you've been through up to now? Um, I think it's to um, make sure you, you build a culture, not just a business, um, to, to really focus on legacy from day one. Um, don't let yourself um, you know, reach a point where um, that becomes a, a decision that you have to make. Make it from the very beginning. Um, so when you're opening up and you're just starting out, no matter what you do, whether it's service or products or, or whatever it is, you're just trying to solve problems and you're trying to push forward. Um, you're not thinking about that, that bigger picture. Um, so I think it's, it's very difficult to do. Um, and I wouldn't have listened to myself uh, at the beginning either. But I think it's important that you kind of take the long game and really think about what are you trying to build? Where are you, where are you going? As opposed to just what do you need to do tomorrow? Because tomorrow leads to tomorrow leads to tomorrow. And before you know it, you might be off track. So always taking a look at the long game. I think that's great, great, great advice. So inspiring to hear what you've done. I'm not surprised. I'm picturing you in those early years uh, doing those laps as a swimmer and uh, uh, what the discipline that it takes um, to, to be able to do that. Um, I want to reflect on what I've learned from listening to you today, Jim. But first, I want to ask you these five quick hit questions. Uh, just kind of like the association game, the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, can you name a leader that you look up to? So I've had a lot of uh, great leaders in, in my life. Uh, you know, I, the leader that, that comes to mind um, is John Urbanchuk. He was my, uh, my college uh, swim coach. Um, and he had this amazing ability to just hurt you <laughs> physically, um, but then also uh, be able to, to really um, just kind of mentally hug you as well um, and always kind of see the best in you, even when you couldn't see it yourself. So um, th th that just combination of, of being, you know, that, that, that person that just pushed you in ways that uh, you didn't want to be pushed, but he knew you could get, you could get the most out of you. Uh, what a great uh, example. How about a great book that influenced your leadership style? You know, I'm all over the map when it comes to books. Uh, um, you know, I, you, you'll see me uh, one week reading something like, uh, you know, Brene Brown, but then the next week you'll see me reading uh, Jocko Willink. Um, so it's it's all over the map, but uh, I love the Jim Collins books. And, you know, of course, uh, Small Giants had, had a big impact on me too because of the storytelling and, and really, um, you know, when you when you start to kind of read those stories and you start to, you know, steal from those companies that are doing great things. Um, I think that's uh, that's 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 where that power comes in is the stories. But, uh, you know, these days I'm, I'm like reading stoic philosophy and, and things like that, too. So it comes from all <laughs> How about an all time favorite movie? 
Oh, that's a tough one because I'm I, I I love all sorts of genres of movie, but I'm a I'm a sucker for a good uh, a good sports movie that takes the formulaic uh, approach of you know the underdog and and you know the the, the training montage and you know you, you win in the end. Uh, you know those, those movies get me every time, even though they're very predictable. And I would say a movie that uh, that comes to mind always as a as a favorite movie is uh, it's Breaking Away. I don't know if you know that movie. It's uh it's a movie from like the early '80s. Maybe late seventies. I'm not sure, but it's uh, it's about a uh, a townie in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, that uh, takes up cycling and and you know races the little five hundred. It's it's an awesome awesome movie, um, especially for somebody like me who was a townie in a college town. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'll check that one out. How about a TV series you like to binge watch? Right now, I am uh, watching uh, whatever the, uh, the 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 kids watch. I have teenagers, so. Um, they're watching, uh, you know, just uh, like the Mandalorian and the Marvel series that's up right now. So just, I like to binge watch with them. It gives us something uh, to do together, especially uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing a lot of that too. Have they gotten into WandaVision? We're, uh, we're yep, we're up up to speed on WandaVision. So yeah, we're <laughs> waiting for Friday's Friday night's episode. Yes. Oh yeah, my wife and son are all over that. Um, He's 14. But I'm the, I'm the only one that gets all of the uh, the the, uh, the old shows and the yeah. references. So I have, yeah. to, I have to point them out to them. And uh, lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know? Uh, well, this is a difficult question um, because most people know pretty much everything about me. I'm a pretty open book. Um, so I think most people would, would be surprised at, at just how um, minimal I am as, as a uh, owner of a, uh, a brand firm. Um, just, uh, you know, I, I own very few things. Um, and I'm a, I'm pretty minimalist just in terms of my approach in life, just, uh, making sure I hold on to the important things. Yeah. people And relationships yeah. and, you know, yeah. just, a, just a few things here and there. That's great. Well, uh, like I said, such an inspiration to talk to you and hear, uh, hear your story. Uh, and I know it's inspiring to many. We loved having you speak to our audience. I remember you getting a standing ovation when you spoke to the group. Uh, but let me share a little bit about what I took away. Um, and, uh, and, and even just how you changed your approach in your own firm from what was the more traditional marketing approach or advertising approach where we essentially manipulate people into taking certain actions to using stories and purpose in ways that people can actually trust and not feel like they're tricked. Um, that's that's a, an evolution right there in, in that whole industry. Um, as we look back to how you grew up, sounds like you had a good, good general childhood, um, didn't get your entrepreneurial spirit necessarily from your parents uh, and people around you who worked for others, but um, you, because of some financial difficulties with your own family, you started doing some of these things on your own, whether it was mowing lawns, delivering the paper, or giving swim lessons to others, and you started to get this entrepreneurial spirit, you know, the, the coach you just talked about and the influence you got from that coach around hard work and, and discipline, but also I think some of the compassion was built into you there. And you took a traditional road into advertising and marketing and broke off with three other people and you guys formed this firm. And uh, not long after that, realized that your philosophies or work styles were different and you were able to get out of that partnership in a way that allowed you um, to move forward. But you got you had early success and you guys were hot. You were creative. You were get, getting success and you definitely had this more command and control leadership style that was really working. Um, and it took, I think, um, this uh, unforeseen diagnosis with MS 10 years ago that got you to really sit back uh, and contemplate your life and your purpose and, and, and understand what was important. And it seemed to change the way you look at, at your business and, and be able to be much more focused. Um, um, some being forced to do that, right? It's like, we've got to, uh, realizing that this kind of disease is something that's triggered by that level of stress and, and work that you had to slow down, delegate. Um, and it really changed you as a leader. And you went from being more of a dictatorial style leader to someone that was going to do it, um, with your employees and realize the value that they could bring, uh, by developing all these committees, by developing the values. And I mean, just a long list of very practical things that you do 
traditions that you have developed, stories that you have told uh, that allow your company to thrive. And like you said, just create a, a happier experience. And I think that you not only saw that that was good for the company, but you saw that that was good for you and has made your life uh, more fulfilling as well. And, and I can guarantee you that those people that have been with you along this journey are feeling that, not only the difference in your style, but realizing that creating this culture of compassion and cooperation has led to even greater success for the company so that the legacy that that will be um, left uh, if at any point you leave the company is going to be one that's going to sustain these practices um, in, in the long run. And, uh, and you're humble enough to, to admit that uh, the tendencies that we have, yours as maybe a more command and control style leader, don't go away completely. They pop up every once in a while and you, you have to recognize that. But being vulnerable around that, I think, is really, really critical. I love the advice you shared about others to, uh, to build a culture, not just a business. And, and really, the business will come. The numbers will come if you focus on your people and your culture. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Uh, and also just to, to kind of look up and, and realize that there is a long game here. And we're all focused on putting our heads down, working hard. But we have to take time to look at the bigger picture, to realize the impact that we're making in the world. And to understand that growth is not about the money or the clients, they will come if you focus on the people and the impact you're making. So just tremendous messages uh, that through your own experiences, you're now um, sharing with others, Jim. So I thank you for the contribution you're making. I wish you continued good health. And I want to thank you so much for, for being on the podcast with us today. Well, Paul, really, really appreciate the uh, the, the time and uh, you know the the ability to to, to tell my story. And uh, thank you so much for the the work that you're doing too. I'm, I'm a listener, so like I said, I'm I'm, I'm absorbing all of these things from all of these leaders. So um, I really appreciate it. Well, like I say, most of us don't really know what we're doing. We're doing it as we go, and and so you're a great example that it never stops. The learning never stops. However, you digest information and experience, you continue to do this. So I appreciate that, and and thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Growing with Purpose podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please view it on Apple Podcasts to learn more about purpose driven leadership. Go to smallgiants.org or follow us on Twitter at Small Giants Buzz. Until next time.